Welcome to day 75 of Shaped by the Word. We're coming to the end of an exciting week in the book of Acts. We've seen uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, worshipped as God, then stoned uh, and left out <laughs> to the edge of the city uh, in order to die. We've uh, you know, seen uh, Herod judged for his arrogance, and we've seen a miraculous you know, release of Peter. It's been a week where we have moved uh, you know, from uh, Jerusalem to Antioch uh, to Caesarea, and uh, now we, we, we move back to Jerusalem as a critical time in the church. We've talked about the wonderful freedom, you know, that the church experienced in Antioch, even uh, when Barnabas and Peterborough were there. Paul tells mm-hmm. us later in Galatians, they enjoyed living in a Gentile culture until people came from Jerusalem and they got a little tense. And here you find people coming from Jerusalem and being very disruptive to the freedom, you know, at Antioch. So here's the first critical theological issue. Must a person become a Jew in order to be a follower of Christ? And this is going to be a tough question. That's going to be a question that will dog the early church uh, for generations to come. Yet uh, the apostles, the disciples, the elders in Jerusalem act decisively. So this is one of the most important sections, you know, in the book of Acts as a church and decides how do we bring Gentiles into our family and what must be required of them in light of what God has done in their hearts and lives. So before we dig into uh, this uh, wonderful text, let's uh, offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord. Father, thank you for another week reading your word in community. Uh, We thank you for the joy that we have of simply entering into a good story, but we thank you that this is more than a good story. This is the story that... uh, brings all the loose ends of our world together that makes sense of the world that we live in that calls us out for our waywardness and our distance from god and calls us back into relationship with him we thank you for every good gift you have given us in christ jesus we thank you for the wonder uh, the imperfection the boldness of the early church may you revive her spirit in us as we read your word and are shaped by it it's in your holy name we pray amen Acts chapter 15, one of my favorite passages in uh, the New Testament, with about 700 other favorite passages (laughs) in the New Testament. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the heart heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, 
we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The word of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I rebuild, and I'll restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles returning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest time and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We've heard from some that someone out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and to send them to you as our dear, with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, sacrificed idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off, and they went to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. People read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him, but Paul did not think it wise to take them because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Half of the passage makes us very glad, and the second half makes us very sad, but God's grace is even at work in, in the sad moment uh, in the separation of Paul and Barnabas that uh, would later be reconciled and uh, later come to a rich reconcili- reconciliation. But uh, not only that, uh, you, you've kind of doubled uh, the front of the gospel. So God is even working through tragedy, human disagreement, in order to accomplish his purposes. And, and, you see, and you see that. Interesting, the Jerusalem Council is very interesting uh, that you can take all of Leviticus and you can you know, kind of bring it down into four rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, the Jews are saying, no fair, we've been keeping these laws all of our life and now all of a sudden the Gentiles come in and you just give them four. Uh, but uh, the, the, the whole 
uh, the whole thrust of it is to allow the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of the Gentiles to conform them into the image of a people who love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, to, who are you know after the heart of the Lord and after the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, not to emphasize legalisms as much as they're emphasizing you know the work of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, in the letters that Paul will write uh, later, there there are a few more rules than these four, and he has a different view on some of these rules in some of the letters that he writes. You know, a little bit later, he relaxes some of these rules, and there are others that he expands upon. You know, a little bit as he writes, you know, to believers to encourage them in Christ Jesus. So, what are some of the things that you know stand out uh, in the Council of Jerusalem or in the events leading up to the Council of Jerusalem? Yeah, I think it's. It's interesting to me that um, in, in verse 5 it says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. I, you just don't usually think of those two things put together, you know, the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. And, and I think that's one of the things you kind of see being worked out in the early church is, I mean, you had a lot of young believers and, and a lot of, as the gospel was spreading, a, a lot of discipleship that needed to occur. And, and I think sometimes we expect people to just to get to come to Christ, get saved, and life, you know, they're just mature. It's like, oh, finally, they'll leave behind all that stuff. And and it's, it's just fascinating to me that we're seeing the kind of the growing pains of the early church, you know, as they continue to thrive and, you know, thousands are being added. They're having yeah. to work out these, these theological are, yeah. differences. But also the, you know, what does it look like then? Can a believer still maintain fellowship in the, you know, parties of the Pharisees? Like, is that possible? And if so, then what does it look like when it comes to keeping – you know, circumcision and these other, you know, laws. It's just kind of a fascinating discussion. No, it is all the way through. And, and sadly enough, I I think I probably would have been part of the party of the, the Pharisees, uh, depending on, I guess I'm a Gentile, so I probably would have been raised somewhere <laughs> pagan. Uh, but uh, I, I guess... Uh, but anyway, that that my heritage is not. Really, I was going to make a joke about really your hometown, but yeah. decided not to. <laughs> but uh, you know, having read the Old Testament, I would have looked for yeah. you know greater continuity with the Old Testament, and so there's a wonderful continuity discontinuity. In other words, uh, the New Testament is a continuation of the Old Testament story, but it is the Old Testament story as seen through its fulfillment in the purpose you know, in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. So many of the Old Testament rituals, you know, which were leading to Christ, have been set aside for their greater fulfillment in Christ. And of course, you realize that uh, the thing that the prophets started crying, you know, out. Uh, early in the history or late in the history of Israel as they're being judged and going into exile is it's not your fleshly circumcision that matters. You need to circumcise your hearts and not simply your flesh. And, of course, that is done through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the Gentile believers are uncircumcised. They're circumcised in exactly the way God intended with a heart that's set aside for him through the Holy Spirit. And, and and you see you see this, but I would have probably sided with them, you know, as a rule keeper myself. I like you know checking the boxes and making sure everything's oh, yeah. right. So it's such a radical departure, okay. uh, you know, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church to shape His people is a, is a radical departure uh, from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. even though it is uh, the completion of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I love how, how Peter begins, you know, describing what, what God has done here, and especially in verse 9, you know, he uh, has given the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in verse 9. He did not discriminate between us 
and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. And so why are you going to then put on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were ever able to bear? So seeing Peter's understanding of this is something we were never able to do. So why are we going to put that same burden on the Gentiles? Right. And we do the same thing at times yeah. as far as these kind of extracurricular kind of legalisms we add to the Christian faith and at times can be so burdensome when, when he's saying, no, the way to salvation is, is by faith and the grace of God in, in Jesus Christ. Very important movement. Uh, this is not, this wasn't our choice to go to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, we went kicking and screaming. Uh, you realize that they were very reluctant to go to the Gentiles and never even envisioned the Gentiles bringing, being brought into the family of God on equal footing you know, with those who were of the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see words like astonished and amazed when they see the work of the Holy Spirit in them. But what they're recognizing in them is the same thing in the Gentiles, the same thing that's happened with them, that God has given his ultimate gift, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the end-time gift that refreshes, restores, and uh, renews all things. He has given it without prejudice, without circumcision, without an education in law-keeping uh, to the Gentiles. And I, I love where he's, he talks about he purified mm-hmm. you know, their heart. You know, verse 9, he didn't discriminate uh, between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. How do you know that? Mm-hmm. How can you see that he purified your heart? You can see it outwardly because the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, that God's presence with them represents that he has made them holy so that he can be with with them. And it, it's an incredible move, and that's the move of, of the gospel. And even, I mean, the verse right before that, verse 8, where it says, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think if you think of James, you know, God doesn't show favoritism. I mean, we're just seeing the heart of the Father, you know, towards, you know, towards people, towards yeah. Jew and Gentile. And and we, we are, we're so much like this where we like to kind of draw boundary markers around right. those that we deem acceptable for belief and those who, you know, we might put a little bit more regulation. Like, I mean, I've I've seen this happen. Just if you go to a go to a traditional youth camp or something, and you know you get kind of the kid that's a little edgy, and he comes and he he wants to you know give his life to Christ. You start walking him through these kind of well. Let's make sure that, you know you check these boxes first. You know, and I think there's you know, we want to make sure like they understand no. what salvation is, but yeah. it, we have to be careful with maybe the extra the extras you know that we begin to add. And, and I love even what they do here, you know and. It's just kind of funny what they choose, but it, it, they don't shy away from still calling the believers to holiness. No, yeah. that and that's that's huge. And, and more than that, to unity. Yeah, you know the things we're asking you to do are not because they're important in light of the law; they're important for the sake of fellowship. And, and so we're asking you to both, you know, Jewish believers and Gentile believers, to make some accommodations for each other in love. And of course, that's something I'm seeing in this wild. You know, political season we have, we're so connected to the, our sense of personal rightness and our sense of personal justice. And uh, the issues we stand on are usually very important issues, but the way we stand on those issues is a, a, a denial of the fellowship, you know, that we ought to have with one another in Christ Jesus. And of course, James, this is not, you know, the James, uh, this disciple, this is James. 
the brother of Jesus, and he is representing the the church as uh, the lead elder in the church of Jerusalem. And he does he with wisdom says, you know, what these men are saying, what Peter is saying, and what Paul and Barnabas are saying is in line with what God has been saying for mm-hmm. years that I will rebuild my house so that mm-hmm. the rest of humanity may seek me and all the Gentiles may be called by my name. Mm-hmm. And of course that is being fulfilled through the gospel in, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to love that. Uh, here, here's, here's, our, here's our rules. Uh, tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, the expressions of you know sexuality that uh, diverge from you know the call of one man to be dedicated to one woman for all of his life anything else is you know as a, a violation of God's intended purpose for us and rampant in Gentile world but uh, crazy you know uh, crazy crazy unacceptable in the Jewish world uh, for meat strangled because of blood was still in it and uh, just because uh, Everybody's aware of the law of Moses, and you guys need to be sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. And then farewell. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a nice little letter, short little letter. See ya. You just bring it up, which is perfect. We're sending you not only a letter, but we're sending with you two men, uh, you know, to to verify it. And uh, you know, Saul, Saul and um, um, Silas and uh, Judas, and Silas, of course, yeah. will be Paul's, you know, partner at the end of the chapter. And sharing the gospel. What an unfortunate guy named Judas, whose whose nickname is almost Barabbas, Barsabbas, Judas, and uh, what about remember name in the early church? But what but, a cool uh, start to the letter. Yeah. The apostles and elders, your brothers. Yeah, and the scene, the gospel. They are now brothers, despite mm-hmm. the differences they may think they have. The gospel yeah. has united them and causes them to kind of lay down their rights and their arms for the sake of one another. Yeah. Kind of interesting that it starts with the argument from the apostles, but they leave it in the hands of the elders. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Paul and Silas then, you know, united. You have kind of the, I don't know, the minister to the Gentiles along with the representative from you know, the church in Jerusalem that's affirming these things together, going back to strengthen Gentile churches. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just love that portrait of, of unity and of discipleship. Yeah, and what a great picture of ministry, strengthening and encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church and then of course you begin this chapter with uh, Paul and Barnabas in sharp dispute uh, with those who are coming in and demanding you know legalism and unfortunately you have them with sharp disagreement that by which they part company and we've already alluded to that that makes our hearts sad that two of our heroes are, are, are parting ways but it also reminds us that even in human frailty and human difference, God is, is working uh, to increase the effect of the gospel as you have two missionary groups and, and not one. And of course, you will see Paul and John Mark unified at the end of the end of the, the book of Acts in, in a wonderful way. And of course, Mark will give us uh, one of our earliest gospels, the book of Mark as well. So it's been a, a fun journey. Heavenly Father, Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have purified our hearts by faith so that you can dwell with us through your spirit. What a great gift we have. Lead us to walk with you in a way that neither quenches or grieves your Holy Spirit nor destroys the fellowship we have with one another. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.